When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast this week. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different, number one, because I spilled an entire glass of water on my laptop, meaning that I'm recording from an iPad and my headphones. I don't have the microphone in, so hopefully you guys can forgive me for a little bit of uh, lack of sound quality. But we are still here. We're marching on, and we have a fun topic here today. Scott and I are sitting down uh, a couple days ago and we're thinking, man, like spring ball isn't for a couple weeks. Uh, we got, we got a couple weeks to fill here on the pod. So Scott, this was kind of your invention. So I'll let you lay the groundwork for it as we're sitting here on a Saturday afternoon, watching some Chelsea football. Uh, what are we doing here today? Yeah, we're taking the content into our own hands, Kevin. The off season is uh, it's, it's, it's dead. Uh, the biggest news this week coming out of Detroit Catholic Central, Kevin's uh, proud high school. Uh, we just landed a preferred walk-on linebacker, Sammy Sami Samai. I don't know how to say his first name. Um, We're going to get the scoop from Coach Max. So for everybody that's waiting on bated breath for, for the in-depth breakdown of our preferred walk-on linebacker, uh, his high school coach, Coach Mack, he's been on the pod before. I texted him this morning. He hasn't responded yet, but we will get the scoop. We will get the lowdown on on uh, what to expect from him. Sami Beydoun, uh, that's the best I can do. But we'll we'll have more on that probably next week once we get the scoop. Uh, but that was the biggest news of the week. So we said, you know what, let's just do something fun and creative. We are going to look back at the last 11 seasons, so 2010 season through this past 2020 season. And we are picking – uh, basically an offense and a defense, one uh, player from each year, I believe. No, we scrapped that because it was getting too complicated. So just the last <laughs> 11 seasons, uh, drafting our top offense and top defense, Kevin and I are going head-to-head, so we'll have our own teams. It'll get a little bit competitive. We've got our big boards. We haven't shared them with each other, obviously. So pretty simple. Um, the way that we're going to do this, I have a – Knights of Columbus free drink poker chip in hand. Don't ask. I don't know. Don't um, lose that. <laughs> on one side, Kevin, we have a gold Knights of Columbus logo. The other side is blank. So the logo will be heads. So I'll, I'll put it in your hands. Heads or tails? I always go heads. So I'm going to keep my routine I've been doing for 20 years. All right. Here we go. 
it is tails. All right. So I will go first. Um, we, yeah, we... so basically just a quick, um, because we, we thought about a couple different ways to structure this, like, uh, and, th and that's where the 11-year time frame came up. We were saying, well, we could do, if, if you pick somebody from a given year, that year is now eliminated. So if you take 2013 Darquez Denard, the entire 2013 defense is now off the table. We're like, man, that's going to take a lot of confusion, not only from us, but obviously from you guys as well. Uh, we thought about doing what well, mostly I thought about doing, where you could pick players by their year, but that doesn't eliminate the player. So I could have a defensive line of three Shalit Calhouns, the 2013, 2014, and 2015, Right now, that doesn't really make sense. So basically, yeah, you, you pick – once a player is picked, he's taken off the board for, for everybody else. But we are doing it kind of structured by, by season. So when you pick a player, you're also going to pick what you believe to be their best season. So, Scott, you got the first pick here. Which way are you going? So we're going with an all-timer here, uh, one of the most decorated Michigan State Spartans of all time on the oh, defense. Don't take my guy. Oh, I don't think we actually mentioned today we're just doing defense. So we're going to keep the, the baited oh, breath for the offense <laughs> next week. Um, so if you're tuning in for the offense, you can uh, just be disappointed this week. But So one of the greatest defenders of all time, Kevin's going to be heartbroken. I know if the coin toss went the other way, he'd probably be picking this guy first as well. That is the one and only Greg Jones. Yep. I already started crossing him off the list before you started. <laughs> so it. he actually snuck in his senior year was 2010. So he was barely part of the pool for this, uh, for this exercise. And it's, it's a shame because 2008 and 2009 were probably his best two seasons as far as total tackles, just statistically uh, 2010 took a little bit of a step back, but even so, you know, 2010 is probably better than any other linebacker in this in this pool so in, in that year he had 106 tackles 10 tackles for loss one sack two interceptions I don't think too much needs to be said about him back-to-back all-american um as I said one of the greatest defenders in Michigan State history yeah I have, I have a couple fun facts ready because I was hoping to get Greg Jones that's an all-timer uh first back-to-back -back consensus all-american in the program history since bubba smith and george webster did it in 65 and 66 second all-time on michigan state's tackle for lost board third all-time in career tackles tied for sixth all-time in sacks he led the team in tackles in 31 out of his 39 uh last games and he led the team in tackles for four straight seasons. The dude's just an absolute animal. Like you said, he sneaks into this uh, pool here with just the 2010 season. But, again, consensus All-American, you can definitely um, chalk him up for the first pick here. So the second pick, it might seem obvious, but I'm actually between two players here. Um, a lot of the, there's a lot of strategy that goes into this. Before you make your pick, Kevin, one thing we didn't decide on, and we're going to do it on the fly. Are we doing snake draft or just back and forth? Ooh, that's good. Let's just do back and forth, make it simple. Okay. So, yeah, a, the, a lot of things come into play here when you're starting to look at, like, drafting these guys. You have positional scarcity you have a lot of different things. So I'm actually torn between two guys here. 
but I, I'm going to go with, I just think the better player, the, the cornerstone, and that's Darquez Denard. I, I think you have to go with him at this point. And, and obviously, if you're going with Darquez Denard, you have to look at that 2013 season. Four interceptions, 10 pass breakups, 60 tackles, a few tackles for loss, a couple of forced fumbles, Thorpe Award winner, defensive back of the year in the Big Ten, first team All-American. Like the accolades just keep stacking up. And, and this was the first first-round pick under Mark D'Antonio, three multi-interception games in his career. Like Dark was Denard was just an absolute stud make no bones about it, that no-fly zone began and ended with Denard. So I'm going to take him off the board, get my cornerstone corner, uh, no pun intended there, and start this thing off with a bang. Yeah, and that was number two on my big board. So we are on the same page so far. Um, Yeah, and I mean, just an absolute stud. When you look at his stats and his – specifically that year, but his entire career. I mean, I know there have been plenty of corners that have come through MSU. We've got a little bit of a reputation about being DBU. Um, and, and sometimes Denard can get lost in that mix. But when you look at these stats, he really does stand alone above the rest of them. Um, yeah, and he just – he locked everybody down for two straight years, really. Like, you mm-hmm. could include – you know, when we were talking about putting multiple of the same guy, like – I could start – I could line up there with 2012 and 2013 Darquez Denard. I mean, he was like first team all Big Ten the year before. I think people kind of forget that, right? 2013 was his big season, but he was a damn good player in 2012 too. Just just an awesome football player. Uh, he's, he's still hanging around in the NFL. He's dealing with some injuries, but just a great, great corner. So moving on, second pick. Um didn't really plan it this way, but we're going to start building a, a linebacker core uh, that I think it's going to be hard to compete with. So I think one of the classic chip on the shoulder, maybe a little bit disrespected linebackers in MSU history. I know it's a fan favorite. Uh, and that's Denikos Allen. So he's going number two for me. Uh, he had a couple seasons I was trying to pick from. So 2011, I mean, 2011, 12, and 13 were all strong. 12 was a little bit. Um, I mean, that whole team was a little bit weaker than the 11 and 13 teams. But when you look at 2011, 83 total tackles, 18 and a half tackles for loss and 11 sacks. Uh, looking at 2013, pretty similar numbers, more tackles at 98, but uh, a little bit lower numbers in tackles for loss and sacks, 17 and five and a half. I went with 2013. Um, I think 2011 That's who I had as well. Yeah, I think 2011 statistically is a little bit stronger, but when you just consider what he meant to that 2013 team, you know, it was he really was. I know Max Bola was in the center, but he really was the the emotional leader of that team of that defense and uh, and a guy that was just constantly making plays. I mean, similar to that Antoine Simmons DNA, he was just always around the ball and uh, and even though he got some respect his senior year, I still think he uh, he deserved more respect than he got. Yeah, that that was the second linebacker for me as well. Was two thousand thirteen Danico Salen uh, for the I, like you said, we all remember the Ohio State fourth down, fourth and two Braxton Miller stop in the Big Ten championship game, but he was just the heart and soul of that defense, and without him. I don't know if that team has that level of success because he was kind of – we have that expression, right, like the the straw that stirs the drink. 
And I think that was Allen, always making the big play when it counted, getting after the quarterback. He, he was all over the field, sideline to sideline, in the backfield. Yeah, I, I think we've had a lot of great linebackers in this era, but with the versatility and everything that he brought to the table, man, that, that's a great pick. Uh, you, you got a hell of a linebacker group here. I, don't, I think, you just, think at about, this point I'm just going to hold off. I want to know when you think about uh... – Denikos Allen, is there one? Because to me, there's one play that stands above the rest. That's like just the epitome of him. Uh, but I want to ask you the question, see if you have the same play in your mind. Yeah, I mean, it has to be the the Ohio State fourth down stop in the Big Ten title yeah, game, okay. right? Like the, there's he had a was it there was a scoop and score against Purdue mm-hmm. that I remember. Like it seems silly, but that game in 2013. Uh, I believe it, it was it was an important game because it was either 2011 or 2013. Now both of those teams were really good, but we were down. Uh, I think Purdue had like some weird neon uniforms. It was a home game. I remember because I was I was there and it was a tight game. And then uh, Danico Salen had a scoop and score, and it kind of blew the doors open a little bit. I think we had a block punt in that game as well as down the stretch, but. Yeah, he, he was always the, the, the right place, right time kind of guy that, that always knew the right moment that the team really needed him to, to step up and make a play. So you got the line. I, I think I'm just going to sit back here on the linebackers at this point. And I'm going to go with, because I, I, I had Danico Salen next on my board at the linebacker spot, but I mentioned last pick, I was between two guys, and he was actually not one of them. I'm going to go with a guy who I think in his position is a little bit scarce uh, for, for this level of talent. So I'm going to go with Jarrell Worthy in 2011, first-team All-American, uh, one of the only All-Americans that we have on this board. 30 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks uh, that season. He, he had a big game against Georgia in the Outback Bowl to finish off his career. Uh, he was the first MSU AP All-American on the defensive line since Bubba Smith. And he was just one of those dudes, like, he was penetrating. He was. We talked a lot this offseason about Naquan Jones as, like, a big guy that can also – get after the quarterback that can also make plays in the backfield. And that was Jarrell worthy, you know, to the nth degree. Like he, he was just so good at, at creating havoc back in the backfield in 2011, definitely being his best season. 2010 was great as well, but uh, yeah, Jarrell worthy coming off the board here to give me an anchor in the middle who can also, you know, wreak some havoc in the backfield there. Okay, I like it. Um, he was uh, a little bit lower on my list, um, to be honest. I think there's some defensive tackles in there that are gonna that are gonna put up a good a good name on the list. So I'm holding off on those. Um, the next guy on my well, I have another linebacker. Well, I'm between two guys, a linebacker and a defensive end, and I think I'm gonna go with the end because I have two linebackers already. Um, <laughs> Just fill out that linebacker group right Yeah, away. no, this one surprised me. And really, this is because we're looking at individual seasons. This is why this guy is here. There's other guys who had 
uh, bigger careers at Michigan State um, at the defensive end position. But I'm going to go with 2018 Kenny Willekes. Um, I think when you look at the statistics from this year, it kind of blew me away. I didn't realize. I mean, 20 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks in 2018. Um, 20 and a half tackles for loss was the biggest TFL number I saw pretty much on any defender that I, you know, we were looking at throughout this entire he, it's process. It's the second highest in a single season behind uh, Julian Peterson, who had 30 in like 98 oh or God. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he just had a knack for getting in the backfield and making plays. And I mean, you can remember from that season, it did. It always felt like he was back there. I mean, that's kind of one of those lost defenses in the MSU history. You know, if we had a good offense, that one would have measured up with D'Antonio's best defensive units um and it was really anchored by him causing havoc in the backfield so 2018 Kenny Willekes getting him on the board starting off that defensive line I when I think of Kenny Willekes it it's one that might kind of go under the radar because it was a game that we lost but do you remember it was a home game against Ohio State and it was Dwayne Haskins and that high-powered offense and Kenny Willekes had three and a half tackles for loss in the sack. And I'm pretty sure they were like all in the first half. Because I remember watching that game and thinking like, ah, we don't really have a shot here. But then Kenny Willekes was in the back. He was getting double teamed and he was still in the backfield in a, in a half a second every play. And the announcers were just going nuts, like watching this dude <laughs> go It's one to of those work. games where like – sometimes you just get those moments in football, right? Where it doesn't matter technique. It doesn't matter how you're scheming against a guy. Like guys just go to this different place. It, it doesn't happen often, but you see the games. I mean, there was a Shilly Calhoun first half against uh, Michigan in like 2014, I think, where he was doing something similar. And it's just like, it does not matter what you do. He's getting through you every time. And uh, yeah, yeah. Willick had the ability to kind of uh, reach that next gear as well. Yeah, I, I can't remember a, a performance that was that, especially a performance in a loss that was that just totally dominant against Ohio State of all teams, right? Like they, they were putting two NFL guys on them and it just didn't matter that day. Um, yeah, it's like as far as an individual season, it's hard to argue that anybody's had a better season, especially on the defensive line than Kenny Willickis that year. Uh I'm going to – man, this is a tough spot because – okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to anchor my two outside corners, and that way next week when we do the offense, it doesn't even matter what receivers you get because they're getting locked down. I'm taking – I thought about taking 2013 Trey Waynes just for like, <laughs> you know, to, to bring the boys back together, but I, I'm obviously going to go with the 2014 version of Trey Waynes where he, he had a little bit more responsibility on his back with Denard off to the NFL. Waynes became the number one. He was shadowing number one guys that whole year. First team, all big 10, three interceptions. He had a sack, couple tackles for loss, 46 tackles and became the highest drafted MSU player since 03. I believe that was Charles Rogers. Um, but I, what else needs to be said about Trey Waynes and Darquez Denard together? let alone getting Trey Waynes after they, after they separated where he had that full season where he was really counted on as the number one guy to shadow number one tour or number one receivers that whole season. 
ran like a four three forty. I mean, dude was just silly fast. When when he got beat off the line, it didn't matter. He was coming back and closing in, making a play on the ball. So I'm going to anchor my outside. Dark was Denard, two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Trey Waynes. Okay, yeah, I, I like it. I was interested to see where you'd go with corners. Um, because I actually have a different order on my big board. Denard was my first, but Waynes was actually my third. I'll let the people kind of wait in anticipation to see who I had in number two. But um, no, I like it. Where you go corner, I am going to go defensive end. So I'm going to anchor my other side of my line. Yeah, I see this. Was, I was scared of letting him fall in the <laughs> pick. 2015, Shalit Calhoun. Yeah. Uh, keeping with the – defensive ends uh didn't have the most tackles of any defensive end on the on the list but I mean again another guy who just wreaked havoc got in the backfield with regularity 15 tackles for loss 10 and a half sacks that year and again other than the Alabama game which I, I think most people probably remember Derrick Henry taking his soul um <laughs> the other fact than that, that he became a meme in that game just sucks because he's like he's an all-time Spartan all-timer yep. and that's the last that's image. the one yeah yeah so I mean again I mean his stats maybe again I said Willikas probably statistically had a better year than him uh, or maybe even two better years than him uh, on the stat sheet but everybody who, who follows MSU football knows exactly what Shalik Calhoun was and he was again one of those energy guys one of the heart and the soul guys where you know everybody on campus like when you think of the football team you think of Shalit Calhoun you just have memories of that going full cage face mask yeah I remember I think it was the 20 it might have even been the 2013 season um like the first couple ga- home games of the year the non-conference where he had like more touchdowns than anyone in the country yep. he had like three that, touchdowns so that... in two two weeks <laughs> I was going to bring that up because this was a tough one in my head when I was putting out Shalit Calhoun. And I was like, man, 2015 or 2013? Because, yeah, 2013, he had three touchdowns in the first three games of the season. And he was, like, shooting up Heisman boards. And uh, he wound up – I mean, he was a first-team All-Big Ten in back-to-back-to-back seasons. Like, you could argue any of those three years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was one of my personal favorite guys um, and, and just a classic. I mean, it's interesting, you know, he's he's like that second tier, I think. You know, he's not with the Greg Jones, the Darquez Denards, but he's he was like, I think only because he didn't have that one paramount season. He had three, as you mentioned, really strong seasons, but he didn't have that one, like, all-American campaign that just took him to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of the difference, right, between him and Kenny Willekes is Kenny was kind of the shorter burning flame where, you know, it went quick, but damn, was it big while he, while he was there. And Shalik was just that steady, steady presence. Fun fact on Shalik, he was one of three MSU defensive players all time with three touchdowns. Uh, I didn't write down the other two. So <laughs> if anybody bothers to do more research on that, feel free, but... Man, that's that I was really I was torn between Shalik and Trey Waynes for the last pick. And I'm starting to regret that decision a little bit here, but we still have some good defensive end options. And I'm assuming you're not going to take them since you have <laughs> two now. So I can kind of hold off there. Yeah, that's my strategy um, at corner. Okay, so I'm going to keep the no-fly zone train going here. 
Oh no! Let's bring Don't the whole band together. Give me oh. Curtis Drummond. Uh. Uh, the two. So this is one that I think would be again a little bit controversial, but give me 2013 Curtis Drummond. 2014, he was the defensive back of the year in the Big Ten. He was first team all Big Ten both years, but he got more of the accolades in 2014. But again, you have to remember the defensive back in the year in the Big Ten in 2013 was Darquez Denard, and you had to give it to him. So I would argue that Drummond was better in 2013 than he was in 14. He got more of the accolades in 14. But in 2013, 91 tackles, four interceptions, six pass breakups. He had a pick six on there. Like he was a focal point of that no fly zone that I think people. Uh, overlook at times seventh all time at Michigan state and interceptions. And this was one where this was over the summer when big 10 network was putting together their big 10 all decade team. And I was, you guys can check the receipts. I was heated about Curtis Drummond being left off of that list for a guy like Malik Hooker at Ohio state who, who was great in one season. And that just pissed me off. Curtis Drummond, stud i'm putting the whole no fly zone together just try to stop me (laughs) i like it i mean i had drummond one spot under calhoun on my board and i I thought about that decision for a little while you know going with another defensive end honestly i didn't think i'd have willikus and calhoun together so i thought i might drop down to to drummond a little earlier but um couldn't pass up shalik um, all right. Well, I, I told you I had a linebacker pretty high up. I can only let him drop yeah. for so long and I'm, I, I can just screw you with your linebacker core at this point. So <laughs> we're going to do it. Uh, 2019 Antoine Simmons. And I mean, everybody knows Antoine oh, Simmons. Okay. I, I mean, 2020, I thought about taking him. It's tough because 2020 stats are so hard to, to analyze, but he had seven games. He was on track for if he had a full season, he would have had a monster number of tackles. In 2019, he had 90. In 2020, in seven games, he had 75. Uh, 15 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks. You know, again, another guy who just knew how to find the ball, knows for the football, knows for the big play, could diagnose a play before the ball was even snapped, and uh, another heart and soul guy. I think linebackers, there's there's plenty of guys you can pick from. I tried to do one middle linebacker and Jones and two outside linebackers. I don't know if, if that's how you'll do it. But um, Antoine Simmons, maybe it's a recency bias, but definitely a top five favorite Spartan of all time as it stands today. So you said interesting. Is that not who you thought the next linebacker would be off my board? So, well, yes and no. I I, like obviously you have your three linebackers I would highly doubt you taking four so I can kind of give you a peek behind my board now um I did I did think you would have bocce but I guess with having Greg Jones you already have that that anchor in the middle so I guess that makes sense but I would have gone 2020 Antoine Simmons like the statistical part is weird because we only played seven games but I, I took a look at it. Like, so he had 75 tackles and nine tackles for loss in just seven games. If you, if you averaged it out, and of course, like, would he have kept that same uh, pace through a whole season? I don't know. But just for, for fun, we averaged it out. 
he would have had 139 tackles in a 13-game season, which is just stupid. I mean, he had double-digit tackles in six of those seven games. We obviously will remember the, the Michigan game here this year that he had. I would have gone 2020 Antoine Simmons, and that was the guy that I was really upset about not getting. So this is going to throw my defense for a little bit of a loop here. This isn't really how I expected to have this turn out. I mean, thankfully um, for you, we've had a multitude of, of good linebackers. I mean, I think I got some of the greats, but there's still plenty of good names in there. Well, and here's the thing, too, and we, we kind of brought this up pre-show a little bit. Like, you, you can play around with the formations a little bit, too. So, at this point, I, I already know I'm going to be going with a 4-2-5 with a Scotty Hazelton defense. The question is, do I take my nickel guy now or do I sit on that? I'm not going to do – okay, so I'm going to go with another – so if if I can't have Shalik Calhoun or Kenny Willekes, I already know who my defensive ends are going to be, so I'm going to go ahead and lock down a dynamic guy in the middle to pair with Terrell Worthy to give me two guys who can give me a little juice up the middle. So I'm taking Malik McDowell. Mm-hmm. 2015 version of who I think was the best 2016 he was on there as well and that was his last season but I think we can all agree for for those of us who followed him closely and who followed Michigan State closely in those years 2016 Malik McDowell just looked a little bit checked out it, like there was plenty of of instances where he just disappeared for big chunks of a game and you still saw the flashes where when he wanted to he would toss a defense he would toss an offensive lineman out of the way just like one hand dragged down a running back in the backfield like he had that he just didn't really look like he wanted to do it that often in 2016 so I'm taking the 2015 version, uh, but a guy in that season, 13 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks. He had a pick six in that year. He was a second team all Big Ten, but he was the guy that I think when you played those, the Alabama that year, the the bigger name teams, that he was one of the few guys I think that that fit in the game, right? Those D'Antonio defenses, there was a lot of guys – who had the chip on their shoulder, who played great against Big Ten teams. But when you got on that big stage against an Alabama in a domed stadium, there were only a handful of guys on our team that really looked like they belonged on the field. Malik McDowell was one of those dudes. Like, he he athletically fit the bill, but, uh, you know, just didn't really have the consistent career that I think he should have. But – I'm going to take him here to anchor my D-line with Worthy. So that, that gives me two kind of dynamic pass rusher type guys up the middle who can really make some noise if I can't get the two guys from the outside. So give me Malik McDowell here. 
Yeah, Malik McDowell, as good as he was, still feels like one of those what could have been guys, doesn't he? I mean, he right. has, he had the pro potential. I mean, he made it to the pros, so obviously he had pro potential. He never was, played a snap for off the field reasons, but yeah, top we won't get into that. Coming in, one of the guys that picked us over Michigan, much to his parents' dismay, which only made him more popular on campus. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it was a whole thing, and and he was just, I mean, explosive when he wanted to be, but he never really seem to harness that mental energy to, to bring an every down kind of mentality to the game and man he was yeah I mean he could just toss guys when he wanted to but right I mean like at, at the end of the day we were talking about him as like a man he he could have been so great no, no, no. and and he still finished his career with like a couple all big 10 teams and he was a first round pick like that's how good he was yeah yeah so all right, so it's interesting here. I've got two defensive ends. You've got two tackles. I've got three linebackers. You don't have any. You've got your corners, except <laughs> you're threatening to take a, a nickel corner, which is making I me nervous. I could take three corners. I could take three safeties as well. Like, the, I got some versatility to deal with here. If you take three safeties, that might be a big trouble because uh, I only have <laughs> four on my board. Um, all right, well, I know you're not going to take another defensive tackle. I'm not going to let you get first pick at every. You, you don't think I'm going edge rusher Mike Panishuk? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I have to take – I can't let you have first pick at every position in the secondary. So I'm going with the first strong safety off the board. Again, a personal favorite. I think I've said that about every guy I've picked. But uh, Kari Willis in 2017. Okay. So he – Dropping down my big board a little to grab him, but again, I can't let you have first pick. So 2017 and 2018, he had really strong seasons. Um, and to actually 2018, he was an anchor of, I mentioned kind of a lost defense. Not that we had a bad defense in 2017 either. Just very similar numbers. Um, 71 tackles. I think the tackles for loss and the sacks really did it for me in 2017. He had five and a half and, and three respectively versus one and a half and zero the next year. And I mean, it's just an, an additional aspect to the game that we saw that year, you know, him playing in the backfield more um, played a little bit more coverage in 2018. So um, could, could have picked either year favorite guy, you know, he was a team captain. He, I remember him speaking at like the big 10 coaches luncheon or whatever. And it just, just a real leader that everybody, not only in the program, but around the big 10 in the country respected. And, and now he's having a great start to his career in Indianapolis, which is uh, obviously great to see. So 2017, Kari Willis. Yeah. You could argue that he's been the best pro of all these guys. I mean, he's been awesome in Indy. So, so far, that's a great so pick. Um, like you said, kind of, you know, another one of those heart and soul type of guys um, was definitely on my radar, but there's, there's a lot of safeties here that I feel pretty comfortable with. So uh, I can live with that one. So again, here I can wait on my D ends and linebackers because you're pretty much out at those groups. So we're dipping into the secondary here. Do I want to take my other safety or do I want to take my nickel corner? Um, <laughs> the thing with corners that's interesting is I have three guys left here that I, you could flip a three-sided coin between these guys uh, and I would feel pretty comfortable with any of them. But because I'm taking him as a nickel, and I know that he's going to be running my slot. 
I'm going to go with Josiah Scott here because I think that's the role that he plays best. So if I know I can put Denard and Waynes on the outside and I can have Scott command any slot receiver, uh, I, I love that matchup. So Josiah Scott, he, he had a great true freshman season. Remember, he was like a, a freshman All-American in 2017. And he just dealt with a lot of injuries in his career. But 2019, he, he really put it all together. Uh, six pass breakups, three interceptions, 52 tackles. Wound up being a, a draft pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars and, and won a starting job right away. Um, he's already starting there in the nickel as a rookie. So really just I, I think the fit there of, of being able to get him as a nickel corner I think is really special. And my secondary here is locking down everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. Josiah Scott, uh, a favorite of mine not only because we share a name, but because he was just great, another lockdown guy. And he did it without as much help around him as like the no fly zone guys where you could, you know, rely on uh, everybody else around you making plays. But um, I actually had him, and this is probably because I get lost in the stats and lose sight of like the, the other aspects of this. I had him as my number five um, corner. So there's still two guys, my number two and my See, number I, four. See, I did two actually is the funny thing. But I, I just think if I'm projecting into like a lineup, Scott just fit the nickel better than I think the other two would. So yeah, that's fair. All right. So from here on out, I think we're not really going to be competing anymore because we totally avoided each other's positions. So we're pretty assuming much you be... take a safety. Yeah. Well, I am going to take another safety because I only have one. Um, so where do I want to fill in the gaps? I guess we'll just go back to the top of the big board and start working our way down. So we're going to go back to the defensive line, start filling in the interior there. Uh, Raekwon Williams, 2019, another guy that had a couple of really good years in 2018 and 2019. Um, I went with 2019 because his pass rush was a little bit stronger. Um, he had, a, I mean, the tackle numbers outside of that were almost identical between the 2018 and 2019 years, but it was his senior year. You know, he, he had penetration. He was a great pass rush. And uh, I think on the board, the best guy left. I, yeah, I love the pick. I, so I'm just, so you only have one safety, right? Right now. Yeah. So I'm going to take my second safety as well. Uh, because I only have Curtis Drummond right now. And I I was kind of sitting on this for a while, but it, like he's not the highest rated uh, as far as my safeties are going. He's second now on my list behind another guy who I think will be taken, but I'm going Isaiah Lewis. The no-fly zone is now complete. <laughs> the whole group is together. The gang is back. Uh, Isaiah Lewis, 2013, 58 tackles, one tackle for loss, couple picks, eight pass breakups, first team, all Big Ten. Uh, yeah, we got the boys together here. He was another guy that just kept he he stepped up in big games. He had an intercept. He had a pick six against Michigan early in his career, uh, late 2013 season in that uh, Big Ten championship game. He had 13 tackles against Ohio State. Um, it is among the career leaders uh, with 158 interception return yards. And just one of those like silly kind of stats. But when he did get his hands on the ball, 
he always seemed to do something with it. So I now have the entire no-fly zone, Darquez Denard, Trey Waynes, Curtis Drummond, Isaiah Lewis. I might just flip it to 2013 Waynes just, just to make it a uh, <laughs> cohesive unit back with these guys. But uh, really, really stoked about that. I just need to fill in the gaps here, but I like the way this is going. So I, I like the pick. He was my next uh, strong safety. I already took Kari, so I wasn't going to take him. But I actually had 2011. Uh, Isaiah Lewis on my big board I thought he had a little bit bigger year I know the no fly zone was as a team the best year they had but a couple more picks that year he actually had two touchdowns uh, to go back to your uh, interception returns and uh, just a few more tackles again both great years he had actually eight pass deflections in 13 versus three in 2011 so a little bit stronger there but um yeah great seasons uh I think a guy that gets lost in the mix with that no fly zone he's probably the last of the four big names in 2013 that you think about but really I mean another anchor to that defense I'm really curious who you go with as your other safety here because I have a guy that I think is pretty clear cut above the rest of them but um I'm I'm wondering where you go with that but we got a couple picks before I get down there but uh we're going to go over to corners. I don't have any corners yet, but we're going to keep it in the defensive backs uh, since we're on a roll here. So 2018, Justin Lane. Yep. Um, a guy that was, I mean, for his season, his sophomore year was, was good, uh, but his junior year, which was his final year in East Lansing, was phenomenal. A guy that doesn't get thought of as much as some other corners because he really only had one, one and a half really, really, really good years. Um, but as a corner, 72 total tackles. Uh, he had one interception, but what really stuck out to me for this year, 15 passes defensed, which is just an outrageous number. I, I haven't seen that number on anybody else's statistics. I don't know if that's the most ever by Michigan State. I think it's the most it's, in this span. It's not, but you also, like, because I, I was actually looking at that list, a lot of the dudes are back in like the sixties and seventies when every pass was either like caught intercepted or broken up. Like there was no in between. So that's when you had guys with like 13 interceptions in a year that just doesn't happen anymore. Cause quarterbacks are better, but it was, it was up there. It was like top eight in history in single season, but. All right. Yeah. So 2018, Justin Lane, um, I don't think he gets enough credit for that season. Again, that 2018 defense was just outstanding and just got lost in the history books because that offense was so historically bad. But uh, was that who was who was quarterback that year? In it 2018, a, it would have been Lewerke, but he was like hurt all hurt. year. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, yeah, and, and that was what I was going to bring up is Lane played both ways that year. Like he, he wasn't like a full-time receiver, but there sure. were a handful of games that he was getting snaps. Um, I, I was looking at his bio on Michigan State's page just to kind of refresh her. Against Purdue in 2018, he played 80 snaps. Like just, oh he played every defensive snap and like half of the offensive snaps. Seven tackles, four pass breakups. He had 16-yard reception. They just, yeah athlete to the nth degree third round pick to the Pittsburgh Steelers I think he's and, still starting uh, now isn't he he's no he's he's uh he's got a role on the team mostly special teams and a rotational guy right now 
but it, it from everything I'm reading about him, they seem to really like him. He's definitely in the plans for the next couple of years here. Uh, the book on him when he came out was just, he was a little bit of a project, like the athleticism, the length, because he's like 6'2", was all very clear. Um, but there's, you know, he's he's only been playing corner for a couple of years, so it might take him a little while to get ramped up, but it seems like he's on schedule. Uh, his signed jersey is in the man cave as we speak, the, the signed Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. So uh, I love the pick. That was my next uh, corner as well. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll be – Sad to have to play against him here in our hypothetical matchup, but uh, I'm glad he he gets some recognition here. Um, I guess, I mean, like you said, we're, we're not really competing for anybody at this point, so I'll just kind of fill in my gaps here. I'll start with my defensive ends. And the, the obvious guy that's left, I think the obvious third guy behind Shalik and Kenny Willekes has to be William Golston. Yep. Five-star recruit, like, you know, really like six foot seven, 270 some pounds, like just the freak of freak athletes, but really developed into a strong anchor in the running game as well. And that was one thing that I think is kind of underrated in his game from Michigan state. And something that really has become more or less his calling card in the NFL after just winning a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I'm going to take the 2011 version of William Golston, 70 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, five sacks, couple pass breakups, uh, just unbelievable production throughout that whole season. Fun uh, stat on William Golston in 2011, he had uh, back-to-back games against Minnesota and Nebraska. Again, we're talking a defensive end here. He had 29 tackles in those two games. <laughs> that's just stupid. That's If you're putting up those numbers as a middle linebacker, that's impressive, like 14 and 15 tackles. As a DN, that's just straight-up stupid. So I'm going William Golston here uh, as, as one of my defensive ends. Yeah, I like it. I I was – I had him as my third defensive end, like you mentioned, but that 70 tackles in a season number really kind of gave me pause and made me consider moving him up just because you don't see those kinds of numbers, uh, especially in these days when teams aren't running the ball as much as they would have, you know, a couple decades ago to have those kinds of tackle numbers. Uh, it's, it's just outstanding. And obviously 16 tackles for losses is, is again, a, a really strong number. And um, do you remember, Sean Oakman from Baylor. Yep. So <laughs> the coin toss, coin I toss hero. Will Golston was the closest thing at defensive end that I think we've ever had to like a Sean Oakman, where you just look at the guy and you're like, is he even allowed to play? Like he looks, it's, he looks unsafe to have on the field for the opponents. It's the, the first guy off the bus, right? Like yep. you're sending this guy off the bus first to let the other team know like, yeah, we're, we're coming to play today. I'm interested to see who your last defensive end is when you get there because the the number four defensive end was kind of uh, a tricky one for me. There isn't like a clear cut guy. So um, we'll have to wait and see, but all right. So where am I going next? We're going to, I think, finish off the corners again, got to fill up the secondary. I kind of neglected it for a while. So um, going way back with this one, a guy that uh, I think, 
doesn't get remembered as much as he should, uh, maybe because it was just Antonio's early years. But I'm going with Johnny Adams uh, in mm-hmm. 2011. This dude felt like he had like three interceptions a game. Like it, it felt like he was he always had the ball. And if you look at his statistics, it's interesting because he had he never had more than three interceptions in a season. But he had two as a freshman, three as a sophomore, three as a junior, three as a senior. So his 11 total interceptions are up there on MSU's all-time list. I don't know where they are. You mentioned there's some guys from way back that had really weird numbers. But, uh, but Johnny Adams, I mean, he was really the first paramount corner that, that Mark D'Antonio had. Um, I mean, you had Rucker the f- first year or two. But, um, but Johnny Adams was really that first guy that, that made himself known and uh, – yeah, he's going to round off my corners. So, interesting 2011 Johnny Adams and 2018 Justin Lane isn't exactly what I had in mind when I went into this, but uh, that's the way things fell. Yeah, Johnny Adams was – he was a lockdown dude. Like, make no bones about it. He was an absolute stud uh, and and one of those – didn't play necessarily on the best teams for his first couple of years, but then, you know, was on the, the late Kirk Cousins teams where, where Mark D'Antonio's – uh, footprint really they really got rolling so yeah he was on my board for sure but um the way that I was able to to gobble up all the guys ahead of him just wasn't able to give him that recognition but yeah make no bones about it that's a great football player he also um, was one of the favorites for Narduzzi to use in defensive uh, in uh, corner blitzes he had three sacks in 2011 as well and it felt like he was in the backfield quite a bit too so really fun player to watch yeah, and so you, you mentioned about the defensive end. Uh, I'm I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with these two linebackers, so I'm going to hold off as long as possible, and I'm going to take that other defensive end here. And I'm going to go with – the statistics are, are surprisingly good, actually, uh, but it's not the first guy that, that sticks into your mind from the, you know – uh, 2013 defense, the you know some of these great teams that we've had, but it's Marcus Rush, and yeah. it has to be Marcus Rush. And the 2014 version of Marcus Rush, where he was an honorable mention all Big Ten, 37 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks, which was surprising. That that number jumped out at me because I was like, yeah, Marcus Rush has to get some love here because he was just that steady guy. Like I think about a Mike Panishuk, a guy that just, you know, he was always there. He always did his job. But I'm like, wait, seven and a half sacks. Like, he was a playmaker back there. So that was a little bit surprising. The, the biggest thing on Rush, though, he is the all-time leader at Michigan State in games started. You know, that, that experience, that consistent presence. So, yeah, as far as the fourth defensive end on, on the – Maybe both of our boards. We'll see what you had, but I'm taking Marcus Rush to to give me something outside of uh, uh, the opposite end of William Golston. Yeah, that is who I had as well. 2014 version. Uh, he also had two forced fumbles. Don't want to lose sight of that. But yeah, I mean, to take nothing away from him, he was playing across from Shalit Calhoun for his last couple seasons, which I'm sure helped get him some one-on-one matchups. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was. He was a guy you could rely on to make the smart play. You know, he, he had his responsibilities. He took care of them and he made some plays and seven and a half sacks. As you mentioned, there's nothing to, uh, you know, turn your head at. So 
Um, he was at my number four defensive end and uh, definitely deserves his recognition. So let's see, where are we going? What do we have left? I need a defensive tackle and I think another safety. And then that's about the whole defense. So we're going to look just straight down the board and we're going to take our last safety. Interested to see, you mentioned earlier, you wanted to see who this was. So it'll be interesting if this is who you have in mind. I have 2015 Demetrius Cox. Oh, Okay, that's not who I had. There's like three or four safeties kind of in this realm once you get down to like the number four, number five range. Um, but 2015, Demetrius Cox had 79 tackles as a free safety, which is kind of an outrageous number. Three interceptions, seven passes defensed, and a 77-yard fumble recovery touchdown. I think <sighs> – I may have this completely wrong, but there was a play, a lateral. Um, no, that was on an interception, so that couldn't have been it. But there's there's a play from back in that era where somebody caught an interception, was getting dragged down, and, and lateraled it to another defensive back for the touchdown. I don't remember who was involved. Spartan fans, you'll probably remember the play. Somebody correct me on Twitter. Uh, but in any event, 2015, Demetrius Cox kind of lost in the mix in that 2015 defense that obviously went to the college football playoff, but I think was a really strong component there. And uh, yeah, he's going to round out my secondary. I had two guys ahead of him at safety. Um, actually didn't really have Cox necessarily written down, but I did have two more safeties that I had my eye on. Uh, another guy in 2015 uh, was Monte Nicholson. Mm -hmm. I think he's he might be the best player at Michigan State to never have gotten any real accolades. Like he was never on an All-Big Ten team, but he's he's a guy who actually has had a solid NFL career. He, he started a bunch of games for Washington, um, and in 2015, I, I think was his best year, 83 tackles uh, with a couple interceptions and uh, to add on there, but yeah, Monte Nicholson was a guy for me. Uh, another one that just, like, he he made big plays in big games, so that that was one. Uh, Trent Robinson in 2010 was my other mm -hmm. one. So that's interesting. Demetrius Cox, though, great player. Uh, he was another highly rated recruit. I think he was a four-star guy that came up, lived up to his billing, and, uh, yeah, it's a good pick there. That was one that I hadn't really thought about too much. Yeah, so I had um... – I had three honorable mentions at safety. Now that we're done with the safeties, we can go through this, I think. I don't know if you wrote down any that didn't make it, but Nicholson was on there. Uh, and then David Dowell, his sophomore yep. year was really strong, and I don't want to lose sight of that. And then 2019, Xavier Henderson, not quite where the other strong safeties are, um, but, uh, but definitely still a really strong season. And hopefully, coming into 2021, senior year, he can put up something that will get, get, uh, get him on our rosters when we do this next time. The problem with David Dowell, which he had an unbelievable year his sophomore year. The, <laughs> the, like we talked about the lasting impression with Shalik Calhoun, and it's one play. It's like a meme. But the last full season for Dowell was rough, man. And that, that was where I couldn't justify putting him on this list. But, yeah, he did have a special season. It was, what, like six interceptions or something his sophomore year? Yeah, I think five, but I think it came in two games because he had like three against Michigan or something, and then he had two in another game. Um, but yeah, either, in any event, great sophomore year. You know, it was one of those guys that we were coming out of that year. We were like, oh man, we got like a star 
And then his junior yeah. year, we were like, <laughs> oh. And then his senior year was just like a flat on his face. And it, honestly, I love the guy. It just felt like every time he went in for a tackle, his head, his face just bounced off and his arms <laughs> went limp. And the dude just kept running. Yeah, it's they, it was a rough year. And again, I, I want to make sure we highlight that sophomore year he had where um, he was a good player at times for us. So uh, I, I need two linebackers here to finish off my Scotty Hazleton defense. And I'm not going to lie, the last like eight minutes that we've been talking, I've been going through and trying to, trying to figure what out what I want to do here. But I think at the end of the day, I, I was trying to get too cute with it. And I'm just going to stick with the two guys that I think are the obvious ones remaining. So you have Greg Jones, you have Danico Salen, you have Antoine Simmons, which I think is just a stupid good you imagine those three on the field at the with same the time. With the versatility of Simmons and Allen, like they would be able to do so much stuff. All three of those guys are great blitzers, like – yeah, that, that would be ridiculous. Um, the thing is here, uh, I'll, I'll make my picks and then I'll, I'll kind of dissect my thought process. So first I'm going to go with Joe Bocci. Uh, the question is 2009, or 2017 or 2018 Joe Bocci. I'm going to go – I'm going to go with 2018 – and it's honestly a coin flip. Like both of them, he had over a hundred tackles. Both of them, he had, you know, production in the backfield, 2018, nine tackles for loss. He had a sack. He had an interception, a few pass breakups. Uh, the, the lasting memory. And the reason I think I go with 2018 is you remember the play against Utah state. It was that early non-conference game. The first game of the season, I believe and we were on the ropes. Like Utah State was driving at the end of the game to – it was either tie it up or win it. I don't remember the final score of that game. But they had the last possession with an opportunity to at least extend the game, if not win it. And Joe Bocci had that Superman play where he, like, hurdled the running back, like, tipped the ball and then ended up like as he was falling, intercepting it and, and ending the game. That's kind of the lasting memory of Joe Bocci for me. Obviously there was some off the field stuff that, that really ended his career in 2019, but I'm going to go with 2018 Joe Bocci here as my first linebacker um, with the next pick. I'll, I'll explain my thought process of why I'm hesitant to take this guy, but um, I think I have to at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm interested to see where you go with this. I was worried you were going to say Max Bulla. Not that there's anything wrong. He was actually my number two middle linebacker. But thinking about you building a 4-2-5 defense with Max Bulla out there is a little scary. He doesn't really project well <laughs> to not having a guy on either side of him, um, in my opinion. But, uh, no, yeah, Joe Bocci, I mean, we mentioned those, you know, 2017-18 defenses that were really – as good, almost as good as any that D'Antonio had while he was here. And uh, Joe Bocci was really – it started with him. And um, it's a shame kind of how his career ended, certainly. Um, I don't want to take anything away from him, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was fun to watch and another guy who just made plays. And especially because he wasn't the guy that – national media or the media really wanted to be that guy you know he wasn't the guy that everybody was going nuts over until he just started getting like 17 tackles a game getting interceptions getting forced fumbles always around the ball like 
uh, yeah, he was fun to watch. All right, so this is my last pick. Uh, the, the last thing I need is a defensive tackle, and you mentioned this guy a few times as like the study hand in there. And we're actually gonna we're gonna bring back the interior from 2019. These two guys yep. were, were favorites, <laughs> so we had Raekwon Williams, who I already took, and now we're gonna throw 2019 Mike Panashuk in there. And it's really impressive to me that we had two defensive tackles in the same season put up career numbers. Um, there's only so many plays for defensive tackles to make, you know, in, in a season. And the fact that both of these guys had outstanding career years that year is just, it's fantastic. It's a shame we didn't have an offense to complement it that year, but I mean, 34 total tackles, 10 tackles for loss, three sacks. He had an interception for a touchdown. Uh, I think yeah, the Wake Forest pick <laughs> yeah, six. He rumbled home, um, and uh, in a force was fumble. it? What didn't he do that? Because that was the game at Yankee Stadium, and was his celebration was something like taking the hat off, or I forgot exactly. I think he took the helmet off, like the uh, like the home run cat call. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He he was just a guy who it felt like when you needed a play, he was making them. You know, he wasn't the guy who was stuffing the stats every week, but uh, you could rely on him, and, and he just had a knack for the big play. So rounding out the, the inside, Mike Panashuk, that's my full team. Kevin, where are you going last? So I, the linebacker is so tough because of the way that I've set up this team. I, was, I, I had in mind to start this off, so I'll, I'll give the, the kind of background. I, I kind of wanted to do the four two five because I love these cornerbacks that I knew were going to be available. But I was also banking on getting one of Danico Salen or Antoine Simmons to give me that versatility. Not having either of those guys available to me makes this a really tough call. But at the end of the day, what I'm going to do here is I'm just going to take the best players and I'm going to try to hope that we can figure it out. So I'm going to go with Max Bola. I'm hesitant because... Joe Bocci and Max Bullet together uh, as our two linebackers. Bocci is a little bit more athletic. Like I, I'm going to, if I'm going to ask one of them to cover a tight end, to cover a running back out of the backfield, it's going to be Bocci of those two. But Bocci's far from the Antoine Simmons level athlete, the Danico Allen level athlete. So this does worry me. I had a lot of guys in mind, like an Andrew Dowell, like an Ed Davis, like a Darian Harris. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to take the best player and we're going to hope that we can figure this thing out. The other thing that, that kind of made this decision a little bit easier for me is because I have only two linebackers, it's going to be tough for me to stop the run. And especially when my two defensive tackles are not the Mike Panishuk mold, right? They're both penetrating guys. So I'm going to need good run stuffing linebackers if I'm going to want to help against the run. And I'm going to hope that my no fly zone secondary with Josiah Scott and the nickel can just shut down everything else. And if a tight end kills us, if a running back kills us out of the backfield, you know, we'll just have to live with it. But I guess I'm going to have to go with Max Bullock here because, again, he was a great, great football player. Um, 
you know, his career ended kind of unceremoniously with missing that Rose Bowl game. And knowing how much that meant to him as a legacy guy, as somebody who's been around the program his entire life, um, I, I can only imagine how tough that was for him. But that doesn't take away with how good of a football player he was. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Max Bola here. Uh, I don't – honestly, I don't feel great about it. And, and that's not any slight on Bola. It's just, you know, of a matter of, like, hypothetically actually putting these guys on the football field, it's, it's tough. So I'm curious, given where my kind of list ended up, if you had to take an outside linebacker with that It would have been pick. Simmons. I, no, no, he no, no. Fit. That, that was still available. Yeah. Um, that, I don't know, man. Because, like I said, like Andrew Dowell, if you're looking for that athletic guy who can go out and cover a running back, cover a tight end, I think he was definitely in the mix. Ed Davis was a great blitzer. He could get home. Uh, if we wanted to, uh, and Darian Harris was another guy who was just, you know, really consistent. So man, I don't know. I honestly don't know. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had Andrew Dowell, 2018, Andrew Dowell as my, yeah. as my number three outside linebacker. Actually, he had almost a hundred tackles his senior year, nine passes defensed, nine tackles for loss. I mean, he was kind of a do-it-all guy, but yeah, I mean, how do you take him when Max Bull is still sitting there on the board? I had a couple guys another guy you didn't mention 20 uh well not just 2014 but 2014 Taewon Jones uh Jones yeah. played next to Danico Salen and next to Max Bulla so he wasn't the first linebacker that people were talking about on those teams but really strong player and uh kind of that not quite big enough to play in the middle but not quite small enough to be the the outside coverage guy he was kind of the tweener linebacker but I mean he was lost in the mix a little bit but wanted to make sure we got his name out there you mentioned Darian Harris another guy going way back that that kind of jumps off the sheet if you go back that far is Eric Gordon um, yes I so I thought about Eric Gordon as well but the the trouble is he's in that same mold mm-hmm. just a big old school thumper uh, mm-hmm. but yeah he gets lost because he was next to Greg Jones his entire career mm-hmm. but still racked up tackles man yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, those linebackers were really the, the center point for D'Antonio's first string of great teams, you know, in those first five years or so. And, uh, and it started with, obviously you mentioned Greg Jones, but uh, yeah, he was, Gordon was uh, not equally as big, but almost as important to those teams and uh, wanted to make sure we got that name in there. I think I had some honorable, honorable mentions, but I think we mentioned all of them. Um, so, I mean, when you look at this, we, I would say we both have really strong defensive lines. My ends are probably a little bit stronger. Your tackles are a little better. And then we kind of just totally diverted. I went with <laughs> a, an all-star linebacking core and you have the, obviously you mentioned the no fly zone with Josiah Scott on top of that. So we'll have to throw it on Twitter, see what the fans think. Uh, who, yeah, who we'll, we'll strategy. put together a graphic. So we'll, we'll uh, recap these here before we finish it off and, and we'll put together like a little graphic that we'll share on Twitter. So you guys can let us know maybe who we missed out on, whose team do you think was better. And then, like we said, next week we'll see uh, if we can put together some offenses and see uh, who can come up with a better all 22. But, yeah, just to to recap my squad, the defensive line, I have my bookends being William Golston and Marcus Rush. Inside, Jarrell Worthy and Malik McDowell. 
My two linebackers in my Scotty Hazleton scheme are Joe Bocci and Max Bola. My outside corners, Trey Waynes, Darquez Denard. My nickel guy is going to be Josiah Scott. And my two safeties up top, give me Curtis Drummond and Isaiah Lewis. I love that no-fly zone to bring them back together. I'm so happy. Like, <laughs> if, I, if I did this again, like if, if we ran this back starting right now, I would have made sure to get one of Danico Salen and Antoine Simmons knowing the way that I was structuring this defense. But getting the whole no-fly zone together, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty thrilled about it. I love it. So taking mine from the top, uh, starting on the inside with Raekwon Williams and Mike Panashuk uh, on the outside, Kenny Willekes and, and Shalit Calhoun. God, I'd love to see those two on the same team. Um, and then the linebackers, my – my pride and joy on this roster, Greg Jones, Danico Salen, and Antoine Simmons, all three energy good. guys. I don't think you could put those three guys in a room together because the ceiling would just blow up. <laughs> um, and then on, on the back end, Justin Lane and Johnny Adams on the outside with Demetrius Cox and Kari Willis on the inside. So um, definitely envious of your secondary. But, uh, yeah, we'll keep we'll- this rolling in the next week. Yeah, and we'll have to talk about it if uh, because the way that we're going to – like, are, are we going to structure the offenses? Like, am I taking my offense in a one-game scenario in this, with this team we're playing? Because I think this would impact which offensive guys we're going to take. Like, you know, if you know my secondary is this good, it might impact your picks. If I know you're this strong at linebacker, right? So how, how are, are we, we playing each this? other? Yeah, I, th- I think that's how we should do it, right? The, the one game... Uh, if, if we're putting together a, a team to play like a Super Bowl type one yeah, game, I, whoever wins it. I think that would I make like this a, a, lot of, a lot more interesting. Yeah, the listeners can tell us who they think would win and uh, what their final score prediction would be given. Uh, yeah, we, given we, we, get, we get into some interesting matchups here, especially with how differently we built these teams. But Yeah, I mean, you're not running the ball against me. <laughs> I'm not throwing the ball against you. So. Right. Yeah, it's, you might uh, as well take like Brandon Sowards at receiver. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's wrap this thing up. I think that was a lot of fun. We'll do the offense next week. Like we said, we'll put out a graphic on social media. Follow at Standing Room MSU on Twitter, at Standing Room Spartans on Instagram. Follow Scott at Spartan Martin 18 uh, we're sitting here on a Saturday recording. We got a basketball game coming up. We're planning on getting some guys together for that. Uh, so hopefully everybody has a good weekend. Uh, hopefully you had a good weekend as you're listening to this. Let us know uh, what you think about our teams here. Uh, Scott, anything else before we get out of here for the weekend? No, this was a lot of fun. I think it was kind of a spur of the moment idea. We mentioned it was a pretty slow week as far as the news wires around MSU football this week. So we just threw this together and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun looking forward to getting on the offensive side and, and seeing what we can put together. Yep. So uh, that's, that's about it. Like I said, make sure you subscribe, uh, rate, review, all that fun stuff as well. Have yourselves a great Monday as you're listening to this. Hope you had a great weekend. Take care folks.